everybody. Welcome to Studio Z, a podcast of empowerment, abilities over disabilities. I'm your host, Melissa Marvel. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Studio Z. We have a returning guest again with us today, Gordon Holmes. He's a certified financial planner, and we are going to be continuing a segment on uh, special needs planning. And today we're, we're moving beyond the special needs trust component. Uh, whereby we're going to just talk about uh, special needs and life care planning. So without further ado, welcome back, Gordon. Thanks so much, Melissa. Pleased to be here. Well, we are always thrilled to have you here and, again, are very grateful. But we're going to move on quickly because, you know, these segments are are short and the information is, is deep. And we'd like to share with everybody today kind of the importance of integrated planning. When you're doing special care planning, it's got to be integrated. So let's just dig into that. And can you share a little bit more about that with us? Uh, sure, Melissa. The um, life care planner planning, um, uh, also often referred to as person-centered planning, um, adopts a bit of a timeline because the planning issues can vary depending upon where you're at in your journey. So for the youngest families, um, they may be focused on first steps and early intervention, um, coming to terms with what the uh, diagnosis is and what it means, what the implications are. Uh, that will then give way to oftentimes special needs preschool, usually starting at age three mm -hmm. and continuing until they're in elementary school. Um, and during that time frame, that age three to six, um, they may learn about uh, something called Medicaid waivers and perhaps um, approach their respective agency based on their location in the Metro Louisville area. It's often seven counties. That's right. And, yes, that's um, exactly what I was going to ask you is, is where do we need to have families, uh, you know, contact? Right. So for, um, for such things as the Michelle P. waiver, which is certainly the um, – preeminent waiver in Kentucky um, for individuals with developmental or intellectual disabilities. Mm -hmm. um, there are a series of agencies statewide. And so if someone is hearing uh, this podcast and they're not in the greater Louisville area, do not hesitate to reach out to me and we'll get you connected with the appropriate agency in your area. But typically um, there's a collection of counties that each of these uh, providers um, overseas or assist with. Again, in the Louisville area, we call it seven counties. You may have heard, the, um, heard it referred to as uh, Centerstone, but nevertheless, um, uh, they will assist families in um, the application process so that your child can be placed on a Medicaid waiver, uh, waiver or waiting list for a waiver. And uh, despite uh, the horror stories that you may have heard, these waivers are very valuable. Mm -hmm. um, they're worth a lot, and uh, though there might be a wait uh, to start receiving waiver services, it, it is well worth the wait, and I suggest that uh, families try to have time count for them instead of against them by engaging early um, and, again, placing their family member on the waiver waiting list. And then you're into your school years, mm -hmm. and during those years, we might see ABA for um, young people on the autism spectrum. Um, or uh, with an IEP, Individual Education Plan, or 504, then 
Um, they're, most, of course, are in public school, mm-hmm. and they're uh, receiving special, special education. Um, and, then, um, and then about age 14, language uh, terms such as transition Correct. <laughs> start, uh, <laughs> start being added to the lexicon, and, and this is the, the slow, um, slow ascent toward exiting their secondary education experience, which typically happens anywhere from age 18 to 22. And so starting at about age 14 or 15, discussions and conversations about what lie ahead beyond high school, mm-hmm. uh, as well as kind of confirmation, are we going to uh, pursue uh, a diploma as we uh, complete our education experience or a certificate of completion, this type of thing. Correct. And then, and then as they are approaching age 18, a discussion about guardianship. Do we? Don't we? Mm-hmm. And what are the alternatives? And, parents hearing mixed messages out there, and it can really be confusing. Um, I would say that probably 20-plus years ago, um, it was pretty much an assumed. You have a child with special needs, you know, they're 18, you get guardianship. Mm -hmm. These days, um, um, people are rethinking that, and in some cases, uh, instead of guardianship, where your young person has capacity, uh, you may consider they're executing a durable power of attorney, a healthcare directive, uh, this type of thing to authorize you to act on their behalf uh, when they need help or when they're unable to do so. Um, so those are examples of alternatives to guardianship. The guardianship is appropriate in, in many situations uh, as it has been in the past. But in Kentucky, things changed, and we talked about this in an earlier podcast, but it's worth uh, um, reminding so to speak, and that is that in most cases, no jury is required now for guardianship in Kentucky. A hearing is scheduled. You go before the judge, and the guardianship order comes from the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, so the process has been streamlined mm-hmm. um, and uh, is not as involved as it has been uh, in the past. Um, also with age 18, typically comes discussions about um, SSI and employment. Yes. And, of course, those, those two are related, and um, and so do we apply for SSI? Is my child eligible for it? And if they get SSI, does that mean they can't work? Or how does all this fit together? So the transition process um, into adulthood has a lot to do with um, coordinating different elements and, and how elements can coexist. But the good news is, um, is that there's been tremendous progress uh, in the last 20 years with regards to employment opportunities for our young people with special needs. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing wages higher than we have in the past. And um, in most cases, Melissa, government benefits can coexist with these, um, uh, with employment. And so embracing uh, part-time employment does not have to be uh, at the expense of these important government benefits. And then on into the 20s, you know, and and so forth. So life life planning and person-centered planning is trying to figure out where you're at in your journey, what planning is appropriate, and making it all about the individual with special needs and and mustering all these various resources and pulling it together in uh, in a coordinated plan to both help them be all that they can be to experience life to the maximum and to make sure that um, in the future, um, when parents may fade or no longer be a part of the picture, uh, that their quality of life uh, uh, does not uh, backtrack hugely. So uh, perhaps that gives you some perspective. Well, what I'd like to ask uh, is kind of stepping back into that transition phase. It's a little off topic as far as the, the life care. But 
as a parent, I want to remind folks that you are a parent uh, of an individual with uh, disabilities. And you, we talked about this transition period, and, and I'm, I'm tagging on to that because of, of the last, over the last few years, many states, I believe there's like 41 states now have created some interest and uh, a plan, if you will, regarding the employment first. And so as families become aware and they're going through that transition, you know, employment is now becoming a bigger part of that conversation. And for you as a parent, my question is, is how did you become aware of it? And, and how can, you know, I want people to know how you became aware of it and then how we can have others become aware of it. Because mm -hmm. I hear in Kentucky, oftentimes families do not know where do you where do you find this information about employment transition how do you transition to that focus so that they do learn that they can they can have work they can have competitive you know community well-paid real jobs in the community work and they can be successful and then we overlay that with the combination of your skill set and looking at ssi and ssdi but what's what's your journey if you don't mind just kind of talking about that real quick mm -hmm. Sure. Um, well, it's it's rarely one source. So frequently the conversations start at school, uh, trying to determine, again, the, the pathway and coming out of their secondary education experience. I strongly encourage parents to uh, take advantage of education opportunities uh, like the workshops that we provide. Okay. Um, and if they visit my website, I think we have most of the remaining education series and workshops for 2021 posted to the website. And there's an opportunity to literally click and register. Um, we want to uh, want to make it as easy as possible to have access to this important information. There's never a charge to attend a workshop. Never, never, never. <laughs> it's always free. Very good. And um, they're either in person or virtual, and most are virtual this uh, these days, which means you just walk to your kitchen table or whatever, and a couple of clicks later, um, you're, um, you're 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 you know you're watching uh, uh, an education series. They've also been recorded by many nonprofits and posted to their websites, et cetera. So I think they'll become increasingly increasingly available uh, 24-7, 365. Okay. In addition to that, I encourage families to um, engage with nonprofits like, um, like Zoom Group and others. Sometimes these nonprofits are uh, disability-related, such as Down Syndrome of Louisville, um, uh, FEET, um, and Autism Society of Kentuckyana, you know, and so forth. Um, um, and that's because a, a collection of individuals with, with commonality in their journey uh, sometimes makes information all the easier to transfer experiences and, and information. Um, and so that, that's a big help. So school, nonprofits, um, and then uh, special, uh, special needs, special care planners like myself with, uh, with educational opportunities, and then when possible, attend, uh, attend seminars or conferences. And sometimes there's expense to that or being away from town or work, and it's not practical, but uh, more of those are being done virtually these days. Um, so that's an additional, uh, additional example. But probably more important than anything is to be open to help. Mm -hmm. There is help out there. Um, please be open to it. Uh, help is good. Um, and even if it just starts with taking advantage of the free consultation that we provide to anyone listening to um, this podcast, um, you know, um, we, we want to help. It is complicated um, from the standpoint these are not issues that you can Google and get quick answers to. Mm -hmm. And it varies, it varies uh, sometimes um, by state. 
uh, where you know Google is kind of national, so or international. So um, um, yeah, turn to uh, any any number of those options. So again, I took us down this this path, but so let's go back to the life care planning. You know, we've hit age eighteen. We're having those conversations about guardianship uh, and the SSI SSDI coming into the, the equation. But um, you know, in your in your um, series and your webinars, when you're talking to families, uh, there's a uh, four focus areas that you have as components of your integrated planning. Would you like to share a little bit more about those four uh, focus areas? Well, um, there are um, there are four things that um, are essential to planning, uh, not only for today, but the willingness of family members to step up and be helpful. Mm -hmm. So we encourage encourage families to embrace government agencies and benefits uh, when possible, um, and uh, try not to kick the can down the road too far. Uh, er engaging early is is typically very beneficial, um, but at the same time. There is no such language as it's too late or the ship has sailed. Um, even if you have a child that's 30, or 30 years old and there's no government benefits, there's no nothing, it's too late. Uh, practically everything in special needs from a planning perspective is, is fixable. Let me say that again. Practically everything is fixable, um, no matter where you're at in your journey, et cetera. So please, please do not uh, be discouraged in the least. Um, these days, parents with young kids are getting started early, and I'm inspired by that. Mm -hmm. But there's a lot of parents out there that have got um, uh, adults with special needs in their 30s and their 40s, and uh, they, they wonder if, again, they, you know, that the train has passed them by. Um, not too late, and that's one of the things I love about um, the Zoom group, and I love about Special Olympics and uh, the Louisville Council on Developmental Disabilities is the breadth of, of – uh, individuals with special needs and the breadth of human experience, and um, it, it, it's it's so varied, and it creates most interesting, interesting situations. But regardless of where you're in in your journey, which is the point of, of person-centered and life care planning, um, it's not too late, and there are opportunities to uh, to plan. But four things, four things. All right, number one, um, uh, work to get the government benefits in place, and believe me. Family is going to want to know that those benefits stay in place if something happens to the parents. Mm -hmm, those benefits can be Social Security, Medicaid, Medicaid waiver services, uh, Medicare. Um, there's usually a basket of, of various benefits. Number two, um, family wants to know that there's somewhere to turn to to pay for what the government can't or won't, because the you know the the era of deposit them in a large institutional setting, you know, and then no longer have to be concerned with them. That's that's the past. The present and the future is they're in the community, they're a part of the community, they're engaged, they're active, they're involved, et cetera. And with that comes responsibility to the family to, to do the, the other part, not the food, shelter, and health care perhaps, but everything else. And so having a funded special needs trust and possibly an ABLE account mm -hmm. um, goes a long way in terms of assuring family members that the parents are no longer here, that there are going to be resources to pay for what the government can't or won't. The third thing is what we call a letter of intent or a caregiver guide, and we work with families on this because it's it's like an owner's manual or, a, uh, again, a caregiver guide for your loved one that has special needs, mm -hmm. and we have a template to help families with this. It's so much better than a legal pad and trying to start from scratch, um, so it's just uh, it's either on paper or a fillable Word document, and you just answer questions and fill in the information, 
and and I kid you not, a well-completed letter of intent will enable family to get up to speed in a matter of an hour or two if something happens to the parents, and what a gift. Right. And if you're wondering what's in a letter of intent, oh, my gosh, it's their favorite meal, their favorite cookie, their favorite uh, birthday cake, uh, how to get them up in the morning, get them to bed at night, um, uh, what type of clothing they like and how they dress and all the personal hygiene issues and social security contacts and who's doing case management and which waiver they're on and what nonprofits and what activities and who the direct service providers are. And, I mean, it goes on and on and on. And let me tell you, when you have a conversation with family about their participating and helping, as, as you as a parent fade or are no longer here, having a letter of intent, huge, yeah. huge. Uh, the, the fourth item is team. Mm -hmm. And in the sense of having that letter of intent or that playbook, for lack of a better word, um, you know, uh, how, how, do, how do you engage with uh, your loved one? I mean, it's, it's about the comfort food, it, foods. It's about, you know, what gets their goat you know what makes them laugh it's, it's getting all that information in that letter of intent so that that experience beyond the family that is you know behind um can that individual can continue into flourish flourish and do well and 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 have a wonderful life um you know given given new circumstances so um yeah. you know it, it's critical and it's vital for families to to plan and to do so um there's I'm, I believe there are also additional benefits that families might want to be aware of, uh, for instance, survivor benefits or, um, you know, other aged, aged parent benefits. I'm, I'm not really good at defining those terms, but if you right. could kind of share a little bit more about that to make people aware of those tools also being available, that would be helpful to me as yeah. well. Okay, absolutely, Melissa, and thank you so much for bringing that up because uh, oftentimes it seems like the whole focus is on the younger families. And like I was mentioning earlier, families that are getting a little older sometimes feel that they've been left out or, again, the train has passed them by. So a couple of things to focus on. Uh, one is um, adult child benefit. So um, a lot of, um, a lot of um, parents are unaware that the journey with SSI, Supplemental Security Income, that monthly Okay, so sorry. No, our phone our phone cut off, and so all that great information you just shared, which I watched you speak, I didn't hear any of it. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, thank God for Tom and his editing prowess. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, that's why we have the pro. <laughs> our, our forgotten hero. So sorry, Tom, we love you, buddy. Okay, all right, so tell me where we lost. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's just segue right in from the fact that there are, you know, you were talking about. Let's start where you're saying not every family is a young family. Okay, great. Okay, there you go. Yeah. So sure. So Melissa, as as we've talked about before, um, there are lots of families that have uh, adult children with special needs or a disability, perhaps in their 30s, their 40s, or older. And uh, they, uh, with a focus on younger families, they may feel that the uh, uh, that they've been passed by. Uh, but a couple of benefits that I do want to uh, touch on, which kick in later in life, uh, actually, and very much apply to parents that are uh, getting older. One is what we call adult child benefit, and that is um, a, a benefit uh, that comes from Social Security that enables your adult child, in many cases, to draw off of your Social Security record. This is typically prompted by um, retirement, disability, or death of a parent, and um, those are three triggering events for 
disabled adult child benefits or sometimes just called adult child benefits. And so your adult child with special needs or disability in many cases can draw up your social security record without any reduction to your benefit at all. So I was just talking to a family earlier today and we estimated that the, the dad might be receiving 2,500 a month in social security retirement benefits. And he was uh, shocked to learn that the potential exists that his adult child with special needs, in this case, the child has bipolar and is on the autism spectrum mm-hmm. um, and has um, had very limited employment uh, now in the mid-20s. And so he was um, just really shocked to learn that uh, down the road when he starts drawing Social Security retirement that his adult son might be able to draw as much as $1,250 um, in addition to the $2,500 he's drawing. So long story short, retirement decisions for parents of children with special needs is more complicated than other families. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, coach and counsel uh, parents all the time that are in their 50s and their 60s that are facing retirement and trying to make decisions about the implications of uh, those decisions on their adult child with special needs. So that's one example uh, where uh, planning issues that come later in life, actually. Um, in addition to that, uh, survivor benefits you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and when, when, uh, when a parent passes away, um, in most cases, the adult child with special needs takes uh, an actual bump in benefits. And survivor benefits um, can really be substantial. We have, we have families uh, where parents have passed away and the adult children are drawing as much as $1,800 per month. Mm-hmm. You heard it wrong. <laughs> $1,800 per month in Social Security survivor benefits as a result of um, uh, the death of a parent and having a disability. Um, and so you start to think about it and you're like, wow, $1,800 a month and they have a part-time job. Maybe they're earning $700 a month. Mm-hmm. So now we're talking $2,500 a month with little to no tax burden. Um, and, and so forth. So, um, so I love sitting down with with parents that are older because we can help coach and counsel them on these uh, very, uh, very uh, important retirement and social security uh, decisions. Um, so that's just uh, that's just an example. Um, also, certainly, as parents get older, they start to think about their legacy and and uh, leaving funds to uh, help the adult child with special needs. And um, of course, then we get back to the discussion about special needs trust and the blessing that they are for the special needs community because parents do not have to disinherit their child with special needs and leave the funds to a sibling or or someone else and hope that it works out. They can set up um, a special needs trust for their their child with a disability and and leave the funds that they want to to be there to help them to that trust. And I believe, Gordon, that's what, um, you know, you can get more in depth with as far as the legal structure of that and the considerations for the families if they're um, speaking with you more one-on-one and, um, you know, uh, working together to create that, that care plan. Um, Absolutely. Anyone listening, a free consultation, there's never a charge for an email, a phone call, or an initial consult. We set aside an hour to an hour and a half for each family, either in person or virtual. So help is really good, and we, we would be delighted to assist. Um, you know, as I like to end these uh, with, uh, Gordon, what is that one last thing that you would like to make sure the audience hears or is aware of a takeaway um, today? One of the things um, I heard when you were speaking was like, never, you know, just do all the homework for all the opportunities with respect to Social Security, because many people don't know that that child benefit is there. And that can be quite substantial. And then as you talked about the survivor benefit, that's completely something, you know, that's also out there that can be quite substantial as well. So just always explore, go down those avenues. But from your perspective, what's that one thing that the families need to know? 
um, I, I would encourage them not to put it off. Um, um, I mean, tomorrow is promised to no one, Correct. and um, and the the need and the desire to plan is is solely born out of love. And um, I would just encourage parents to, uh, you know, take advantage of opportunities to either uh, receive education, like today's podcast, mm-hmm. um, get a free consultation, and um, just start the process about learning about these things and the things that you can do to help both preserve and enhance the quality of life for your loved one for years into the future. Um, and on that note, in in most cases, these benefits can continue on even after the parents have sunsetted for decades. Mm-hmm. So decisions made today uh, can have lasting effect for decades and, and decades. And you know, in many cases, it's not just love for your child with special needs, but it's the sibling or siblings. Right. Because the better, the better we plan, the better it is for everyone, everyone that you love. Absolutely. And Melissa, I want to thank you for the opportunity to share and, and for Zoom group and um, the great nonprofits that we uh, that we have to um, to support, you know, for support in the special needs community. Uh, it's really an honor to be a part of your program. Well, I appreciate that. And with uh, the conclusion of the series, uh, we will put all this information out there and on on the podcast different uh, airwaves. But, you know, I hope that after this series of hearing people, uh, our audience may feel comfortable in reaching out to you. And all that will be on studioz.space as well as our social media outlets for Zoom group. But ultimately, I hope that the families that are dealing with these challenges after hearing this and then following up, that they actually can rest easy and sleep well at night because they know they've taken that action and they haven't waited till tomorrow because you're right tomorrow is not promised to anyone so thank you gordon it's been a real treat i hope that we circle back in the future and uh, i wish you the best and to our audience thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day all righty bye-bye hey everybody thanks for joining to see upcoming guests check us out at studioz.space 